Welcome to Word Today. I am your host, Levi Johnny Griffin. And if you are new here, I want you to know that everyone has a bias. So I need you to identify yours and check it at the door because on Word Today, the only opinion that matters is God's. So this is part two. Part one was the law. Uh, this is part two, which is the faith. Uh, so dramatic, right? So we had uh, Believe, Invest, Love, Obey, that series or that podcast. It wasn't a series. It was a single podcast. And people were like, hey, we didn't really get it. That was a lot of information. Um, can you clear that up for us? So broke it up into two podcasts to make it a little more easily digestible and to really go into it. I think the law really gave us what the law accomplished. And hopefully the faith will do the same. Enjoy part two, the faith. It's not what you've been taught. Bam. All right. So Hebrews defines faith uh, this way. Hebrews 11, one faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Oh, plain and simple. Not a whole lot there. Yeah. <laughs> It's not not a whole lot to be confused about. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I'm hoping for uh, this and I have, you know, I believe it will actually happen. It's not one of those uh, pipe dreams where, hey, I hope for a million dollars, but I don't really believe that a million dollars is coming. Um, I just think that would be a nice thing if it did. This is saying, no, I believe that what I'm hoping for, whether that's healing, whether that's a, a, a spouse, whether that's my children to come uh, and be come on fire for Jesus, that whatever I'm hoping for in the name of Jesus, it will actually happen. And that's what faith is. Now, there's two types of faith. There's faith in self-sacrifice and there's faith in God's sacrifice. And self-sacrifice is just that, you know, what can I give up? You know, whether that's money, what can I do, whether that's obedience, I stop lying, I stop cheating, I stop sleeping around. What can I do sacrificing myself, my body, my time to get to get right? So it's faith in myself uh, and what I can do to get closer to God. And there's faith in God's sacrifice, what Jesus did on the cross that got us closer to God. So there's two types of faith, faith in me, self-sacrifice and faith in. In God, let's go to faith in me, faith in self-sacrifice. There's a few points here. First point, why seeking obedience is good and honorable. And what I mean by obedience, it's your self-sacrifice. Why saying, you know, I want to not lie. I want to you know, live right. I want to honor my parents. I want to go to church. I want to pay my tithe. Why doing all of these things, sacrificing your time, money, effort. Why while doing all of these things, why they are. Great. Why they're really, really good things to do. Why self-sacrifice isn't a bad thing. It's a really good thing. Philippians 1, 27 says this. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whenever, whenever, <laughs> then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, Got tongue tied there. I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. He's saying, listen, live as citizens of heaven. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to live like you're righteous already, like you're made whole already. It's a good 
thing to live in self-sacrifice and obedience. John 14 says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. This is Jesus talking. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Jesus is saying, listen, obey me, you know, obey my commandments. Listen, that's a good thing. Wanting to be obedient to my commandments, not to lie, not to cheat, to help your brother, to help be, be that good Samaritan, to love God, to desire to please God. All of this stuff, this self-sacrifice is great. It is honorable. It is required. It's wonderful. It's just a really, really good thing to want to seek after God's heart through obedience. So it's good. It's good and honorable. Point two, why seeking obedience makes one's one distant from God. Now we're, we've just said how good seeking to be obedient is seeking to sacrifice your time, your effort, your mind, uh, how great that is. It is a commandment, right? Jesus saying, Hey, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And uh, in Philippians, uh, Paul is writing, Hey, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, live like you're holy and righteous already. Don't, you know, curse up a storm. Don't try to backbite. Don't gossip. Listen, be obedient, live obedient. That's a great thing to pursue this. It's a, it's wonderful. But there is a problem with it. It does make you distant from God when your primary focus is not in God's sacrifice, but in self-sacrifice. John 8 says this. Verse 13. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Now, this is the Pharisees talking to Jesus. Just to put this in context, the Pharisees are doubting who Jesus is. Jesus is saying, listen, everything that you've been waiting for. Now, remind you, there's the Sadducees and the Pharisees, these really strict religious groups. They pay their tithes, everything that the law commands them to do, every way that they're supposed to be obedient. Outwardly, they are. They are obedient, very, very strict uh, observance of the religious, the Judaic law, which is the Old Testament. And in the Judaic law, they are waiting for the Savior to come. They are waiting. They've been following everything the Bible has to say in preparation or in, in waiting for Jesus, in essence, to come. And now Jesus has came. In 19, where is your father? They asked Jesus. He answered, because Jesus keeps telling them, like, the father sent me. I and the father are one. Me and the father, we're on the same page. We're in one accord. And these Pharisees who follow the law, the Mosaic law, the Levitical law, the ceremonial law, the sacrificial law, they follow all of the laws that we talked about in the law, the last podcast. They follow this stuff to the T. They follow it religiously, if you will. <laughs> right? And they follow it well. And now they're they're seeing the fulfillment of the the law right in front of them walking eating you know fish tacos and talking to him right he's he's hanging out with them and they're saying "Mm, well um you say the father sent you where is this father you talk about who is this father you're saying you're saying you're making these claims of yourself and someone that makes claims about themselves aren't valid if i say i'm awesome i'm great that's not valid because you're saying it Now, if 50 other people are looking at you saying you're awesome, you're great, then that's one thing. But Jesus, you're standing in front of us making these claims about yourself. We really don't know. We really don't know. We're not we're not convinced. We're not. We we, we think the claims are not valid. 
So if you if the claims are valid, show us this father that you're talking about. And Jesus says this, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. If you knew who, if you really if you knew me, you'd know the father. So what so what is this saying? This is saying you've you followed the law unbelievably close. But the problem is the law became your God. You became more focused with keeping the law than chasing after God's heart. The law has actually become a distraction for you because and it goes into a lot more detail. And he kind of fleshes this out a lot in the Bible, how uh, they would leave. The Bible says this and they would leave to win one person over. They would travel night and day in ships to go win one person. He says then they would make them more child of the devil uh, than anyone else. They were so focused on being obedient that they had no love for people and no love for God. They would. The Bible talks about how they would put these super heavy burdens on people. Hey, you must do this. You have to do this. You have to be like this. And it says that their hearts weren't right. They really weren't fulfilling this stuff themselves. Why? Because they didn't love people. Jesus gives them the example of, you know, basically we call it the example of the good Samaritan, right? So a Samaritan at this time was people that they thought were basically low lowlifes, wretches uh, beneath them, uh, unrighteous, unclean. They just thought they were disgusting, dirty people. And, and God says, OK, there's a man hurt in the street. Just, just, you know, there's a man hurt in the street. And there's there's a couple people. There's one, you know, cool guy. He walks up average blow and he did, he just kind of steps over him. Because the man is hurt and bleeding, it would be an abomination to touch him. Then you will be become unclean, according to the ceremonial law. And then basically a priest comes over, or a Pharisee comes over, and he sees the man bleeding in the middle of the road, and he's, he steps over him. You know, of course, he doesn't want to touch him. He doesn't want to become unclean, basically. And then it says there's a Samaritan, a lowlife, that comes over, and he gets the man. He, he takes him to a hotel. He says, hey, bandages him up. He pays for the man's fare, and he leaves the money. He says, hey, if he's not better in a week, let him stay another week. And if you need more money, contact me. And then Jesus says, hey, listen, which one of these was truly this man's neighbor? And they go, the Samaritan. And it was an example. That's why they hated Jesus. It was an example of how the evil thing you consider wicked, a, a gentle, uh, uh, you know, a uh, non-Jew, a Gentile, someone unclean, unworthy of righteousness, how this person is better than you are. Because, yes, you pay your tithes. Yes, you tithe on mint and tea. Yes, you fast. Yes, you do all of these religious things, but you have no love in your heart for people. And if you don't love people, then you don't love God. That's Jesus with the greatest commandment. He said, listen, love God with everything and then love people with everything. Love your brother as yourself is what he's saying. Love you, love people with everything. As much as you love you, if you want to be helped, if you were knocked down, if you want to be loved, if you want to be taken care of, you do the exact same for people. These Pharisees had mastered the law and had minored in love. They were perfect at keeping the law and horrible at actually loving people, which was the purpose of the law. Love God, love people. They had lost it. So they were great at paying tithes, horrible at loving people. So their total focus on just self-sacrifice pushed them further and further and further and further away from God to the point that God came in the flesh. I wish I had to pull this scripture up, but John, right? And the word became flesh. In the beginning, beginning with the word, the word was with God. The word was God. Just skip down, I think, somewhere to verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh 
Right, and that's John. John one. So they focus so much on the law that they forgot to live in love. What's that old? What's that? Not say old, but what's that? That they have these pictures: live, laugh, love. You know, they was focused on the law and forgot to live life, loving people and laughing and enjoying the life that God had given them. Yeah, it happened. All right. Third point under faith and self-sacrifice. Why seeking obedience is ineffective. Galatians three, verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So seeking obedience is good. It's honorable. We should all do it. But when our God becomes the rules, hey, we got to do this rule to the point we're putting other people down. We're hurting people. Oh, you know, you shouldn't be wearing that to church. Oh, you don't pay your tithes. You're not. You can't hang with us. We're better than you to loving people. I'm not telling you to break the law. I'm not telling you to tell other people to break the law. Jesus even says that, hey, if you teach other people to break the law, you're the least in the kingdom of heaven. And we went over that in the last podcast, the law. So please listen to that if you hadn't already. But no, he's saying, listen, honoring the law is great. But when you start telling people or judging people, not loving people because they are unable or they're struggling to keep the law, then you have missed it. Because anyone that is trying to keep the law as a perfect way to serve God, then you've already under a curse because you're you're climbing an impossible mountain. You're climbing an impossible mountain. There's another scripture that says, hey, the law was perfect. But it was it was made imperfect because of the weakness of our flesh. We couldn't maintain the law. So that's why the law was not perfect because we were not perfect. So it was good. We were jacked up. We couldn't maintain it. So here saying, listen, since you can't maintain it, it's under your curse for trying to follow it as the only way to get to heaven or as the primary way to get to heaven. You fall. You've missed it. You've missed it. So why seeking obedience is ineffective is it's because it's, it's a curse. If you try, you the law is perfect, the Bible says, but you're not perfect. You can't. You're incapable of following it perfectly. It's another reason to not judge people for for not following it perfectly. Once again, I'm not saying it's okay to break the law, but if you're looking down your nose because this person lies, but you steal, it's not so good. The Bible says that you have a vice. Every every person here has a vice. Vice. You may not. Uh, everyone listening has a vice. You may not b- cheat on your wife, but are you mean to your kids? Are you do you un uh, do you love them? And love means sometimes you have to punish them. The Bible says spare the rod, spoil the child. Do you love them enough to correct them? Do you love them enough to sacrifice your time to be with them? Or do you just kind of you know push them by the wayside? The Bible says, hey man, you know someone that doesn't take care of their child is worse than an infidel. Some and an infidel is someone that. That only accept part of the Bible, which kind of makes sense now, right? You accept the part about paying your tithes, but you don't accept the part about loving your kids and not provoking your kids. Okay, let's move on from faith and self-sacrifice to faith in God's sacrifice, the second kind of faith. First point there, why seeking faith is the only way to please God. James 2, what God, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith 
but don't show it by your actions. Hmm. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. So what is this here? Faith in God's sacrifice is good. Faith in God's sacrifice is good. But it's saying here, faith without works is dead. So don't don't believe that we're about to walk into faith and you're saying, okay, yes, you know, we're about to shout because, you know, it's all about faith. I don't have to worry about trying to live right or, you know, because my faith will cover it. I don't have to worry about trying to help everybody. I don't need to judge people for their lack of works and for what they don't do because they don't listen to the law uh, because I don't have to listen to it either. We're covered. Hallelujah. It's just all about faith. And you learn here. Um. If your faith isn't producing something, then your faith is dead. Same same with works. If you're if you're obedient to the law, but you don't love people. It's dead. And here, if, if you have all the faith in the world, but your faith isn't producing works it's dead, it's dead. You have a dead faith. Your faith should be producing something. Are you loving on people? Are you are you getting involved in helping other people? If not, then your faith is. Is dead. You have a dead faith. Hebrews 11. So in verse one, faith is the confidence that what we ha- we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see through their faith. The people in days of old earned a good reputation. Hold up. Through their faith, they had a good reputation. No one has a good reputation because of faith alone. What is it saying? That their faith Produce something. Their faith caused them. James too, right? Their faith caused them to do something. And since they were doing something, their faith got a good reputation. By faith, verse three, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That we now see, uh, now see, did not come from anything that can be seen. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. For it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him for before he was taken up. He was known as a person who pleased God and it is impossible to please God without Faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. What is this saying? You got to have faith. Not only that God exists. You have a lot of people that think God exists and they don't do right. They say, well, God knows my heart. Well, yeah, the Bible says God knows your heart and it's wicked. That's why you're going to hell because he knows your heart. He knows your heart. So it's not God. God is not like God doesn't know your heart. It's just your heart condemns you. Your heart condemns you. It's not your heart and it's not your actions alone, but your faith that saves. So you have to have faith that God exists and that he will reward you for doing right. He says that he rewards those who seek sincerely seek him. You have to know that he exists and that he will reward you from 
you know, abstaining from sex, for not lying, for uh, not cursing at people, for honoring your parents, your mother and father, for being respectful uh, in people's homes and in people's lives and loving them. You have to know this. That he rewards those that seek him. So you have to know he exists. And then you have to know, you have to believe he exists and believe that he rewards those who seek him. Because if you believe that, then it will produce the works that James is talking about in two, in chapter two. Because if you believe he will reward me if I obey him, he will reward me if I seek his face. He will reward me if I obey his commandments. If you believe this, then it will change you, change your behavior. You will act as though you know a reward is coming. Second point under faith in God's sacrifice. Why seeking faith causes love for God. And and I have some notes here and it's you will love whatever you invest in. You will love whatever you invest in. Right. Matthew 6, 21, 21, wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. When I do marriage counseling and I have I had my neighbors downstairs, uh, Brianna and John, they want me to marry him. They want me to marry him. And I say, well, I'm, I'll marry you. Uh, and, you you know, you don't have to give me this large sum of money uh, to marry you, but you will have to give me 30 minutes. What is 30 minutes? I'm going to do marriage counseling with you. We're going to do two 15 minute sessions. And normally marriage counseling is never 15 minutes. We start off 15 minutes and it's an hour later. But you can't tell people two hours uh, because it may be three hours. It may be, you know, 30 minutes. But I say, hey, it's a minimal of 15 minutes. But normally we, we get to digging in. People get to talking. We talk about obedience. We talk about loving, being obedient to each other, loving each other, sacrificing for each other. And it just kind of goes on and it's organic and, and people enjoy it. I enjoy spending the time with them, but I won't marry anyone without first, um, you know, doing marriage counseling. And I've had people get walk away from me for that. They're like, man, we're paying you money. We don't want you don't, <laughs> you know. You just need to show up, sign some papers, say a few words, and that's it. We're paying you good money. You don't, you you know, they're they don't want to do the marriage counseling. They don't feel they need it. And I was like, well, I just don't. I don't. Me as a as a I don't, I don't as a man of God, I don't feel comfortable just saying, hey, God bless you and be gone. You know, you know. So I've lost out on money and and you know opportunities to marry people and gigs because I wouldn't marry them without first, you know, counseling them. I just. Some pastors may. I won't. Me personally, I won't. Don't ask me to marry you unless you're willing to sit down and at least have two sessions of a minimal of 15 minutes or more uh, talking about Jesus and how Jesus affects your marriage. Because you need to understand that you're not marrying each other. You're marrying God. The The marriage is just a uh, facsimile, if you will, of the marriage between you and God. So that husband, that man or that woman uh, in your marriage and marriages are supposed to be heterosexual. Homosexual marriages are not acknowledged by God, never created by God. God made Adam and Eve, as they say, not uh, Adam and Steve or Eve and uh, Yvette. Uh, right. If you don't like it, that is just God's will for marriage. And, and being homosexual is no different than any other sin. I may love sleeping around. Or, or, you know, cheating on my, my wife or overeating, gluttony or whatever my flavor of sin is. It all boils down to, am I willing to give up that sin for God? If God said, and I love Francis Chan gives this example. Uh, watch Francis Chan YouTube on YouTube. He's great. I love him. I bought one of his books, a couple of his books, I think. I know I, I bought Crazy Love. 
Um, but he says this, if God said all Asian people had to stand on their head and he's Asian, he says he wouldn't like it. It would be uncomfortable. He wouldn't necessarily want to do it. But if God commanded it, he would just have to stand on his head. It comes down to how much do you love God? Do you love God enough to say, well, I prefer to be with a man and I'm a man. I prefer to be with a woman and I'm a woman. But I love God enough to not do that, to just be single or to marry someone of the opposite sex. And that's the question that everyone has to make when it comes to sin. I may love food, but I'm overeating. I'm I'm obese. I'm not taking care of the temple, which is my body. I may love lobster and love hamburgers and love food. But do I love it more than God? If I love God more, I need to. Obey his commandments. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love me, if you love me more than whatever that sin is. So, no, I won't marry you if you want to at least give me 15 minutes of your time twice. Period. That shows me you're willing to invest in the word of God and it should show each other that you're willing to invest in that marriage. Because when it comes, I have people come running to me when their marriage is on the rocks. Come running. But my thing is, don't run to me when your marriage is on the rocks. I mean, I'm here, but run to me when the marriage is going good and and let, allow me to help you keep it going good. Right. Allow me to help you keep it going good. Anyway, that was a tangent. But all that to say, you will love whatever you invest in. If you invest time in paying a preacher, you invest time into getting premarital counseling. You invest time in getting counseling at the one year mark, at the six month mark, at the one year and six month mark, at the two year mark. Right. Having counseling once every six months, that's only twice a year, maybe a 30 minute session, hour long session, two hour session. That's only four hours in an entire year, four hours in an entire year. You spend more time clipping your toenails. You spend more time than McDonald's drive throughs or fast food drive throughs. You do in a year. You will love whatever you invest in. Right. Wherever your treasure is, your money, your time there, the desires of your heart will be also. So that's why seeking faith causes love. When you say, I believe in God, I believe in God and I believe that he rewards those who seek him. Then that belief will cause an investment. You will be at church. You will pay your tithes. You will love your neighbors. You will help your sons. You will help the neighbor's kids. You will feed the homeless because your faith will make you believe that there's a reward and you will invest and you will love whatever you invest in. You plant a tree, come back two years later, that tree is gone and you've grown and you've been watering the tree and it grows some more and you water the tree and it grows some more. Then someone comes and wants to chop it down. You'll, you know, you'll be like one of these uh, people that are standing in front of forest. You can't chop this down. Why? Because you've invested in that tree and you love that tree. Your heart wants to love. The human heart wants to love and you will love whatever you invest in. And if you invest in the God, then you will love him. And if you love him, you will obey his commandments john 14 15 god you know doesn't say that in a way man if you loved me you'd obey me you listen to what i'm saying i can't believe you want to you know he's not snapping his finger and shaking his head when he's saying that he's saying hey don't worry about the obedience part the law part obeying all of these commandments don't worry about everything that you have to give up and cannot and thou shalt not now cannot now would not say don't worry about that just worry about loving me because if you love me you will obey my commandments Faith in God, sacrifice, third point. You invest in whatever you have belief in, right? 
So you will love whatever you invest in and you will invest whatever you have belief in. Hebrews 7, this uh, this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. Why? Because he had a belief that Melchizedek represented God. He believed, so he invested. He invested, so he loved. Number four, why seeking to believe God causes obedience. Like I said, just just read John 14, 15 again. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Galatians three, verse two. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? By obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Basically, now, you've, you have the Holy Spirit. You've had this amazing encounter with Jesus Christ because you believe. You, you came to the altar and you said, you know, a lot of them, they have these altar calls and you repeat after me, you know, I, I you know, accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he is my Lord and Savior, that he, he has changed my life, that he has forgiven my sin. And the Holy Spirit falls on you and you cry tears. You speak in tongues. And you, you, you have this amazing experience and your life begins to change dramatically for the better. You, you fight off demons and God wrestles with you and you wrestle and, and you get better. And he's saying, listen, did all of this happen for nothing? How foolish can you be? Verse three, after starting your Christian lives in the spirit. Praying, speaking in tongues, seeing manifestations of God's love everywhere, seeing all of this happen, not because you were living right, because you were most likely living wrong, living foul. So so this didn't happen because you obeyed the law of Moses. This happened because you were you were in love with God, because you have faith in the cross that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And how foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human deeds? Now you you feel you've been saved for a little bit for six months. And, you know, you've been saved for six months and now you're going around telling people how they're living wrong. No, just love them because it was the love of Jesus Christ that brought you to Christ. So why don't you just love someone else? Verse four, have you experienced so much for nothing? It wasn't your obedience that saved you or you would have went to hell. It was your faith. Have you experienced this all for nothing? Go on to verse six. In the same way, Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Wow. Wow. So we know it's by the faith. Now, does that mean that you have a license to sin? Does that mean that you have a license to sin that you can do whatever you want? Of course not. Galatians five, two chapters over addresses this. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. What does it come back to? Faith. That belief. Which causes you to invest, which causes you to love. And now that you love, 
You want to obey God. And what's what does the obedience look like? Love. It looks like more love. You love God, so you obey him. And what does he say? Love me more. The two greatest commandments Jesus talked about. And then love your brothers. You love your brothers. So now you may be saying, okay, I, I want I want more obedience. I want more love. I want to invest more wholeheartedly. How do I do that? How do I increase my faith so I can be a better human being? Since since in me increasing my faith, my belief makes me want to invest my time and money. And through my investing in my time and money, where my treasures are, my heart's going to be. So by me investing my time and money, that's going to lead me to love. You know, because that's where my heart. I'm gonna be. I'm a love. I'm gonna love everything that I invest in. And then through that love, you know, if you love me, you'll obey. So I'm going to love, and that's going to cause obedience. So, but it all comes back to faith. So how do I have more faith? Good question. A couple different things. One is you have more faith by increasing your knowledge. You do. Psalms 18 says intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. You will have more faith by learning more. And I use the analogy of gas mass, right? And believe, invest, love, obey. I use the analogy of gas mass, right? So in boot camp, we had a gas mass. You, and they called it a confidence chamber. You, you know, they tell you all about this gas mask. You learn all about this gas mask. And you, you really, really know everything you know about the different filters of the gas mask, how to put it on your faith. And all of this, this knowledge of the gas mask causes you to believe more in the gas mask. You, you're talking to other people about the gas mask. Hey, if you use this pink filter, it'll do this. This white filter does this. Has this many, it filtered it to this uh, many microns for this much particulate in the air and blah, 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 on and on about this gas mask. Why? Because you increase your knowledge. So simply reading the Bible increases your knowledge. And that increased knowledge will give you an increased belief second thing is now you have to test it now that you you have all of this knowledge about god or all this knowledge in my example about the gas mask now you have to test it that's why the confidence chamber came in they literally put you in the confidence chamber which was a gas chamber with your gas mask this happened in great lakes people this is great lakes naval boot camp they put you in a gas chamber strap you in lock you in there put a gas mask on your face they do this happened to me right this happened to me 2000 and 11, I want to say, I'm strapped in. And in, in, in July, you know, in a gas mask. July, August, in a, in a gas chamber with a gas mask. And what happens? They, they drop all of these strong pellets in, in this gas. And then what happens? We're all fine. <laughs> we're all fine. And then we have to take off the gas mask when we realize we're not so fine. That our confidence was, was strong when we had it in the gas mask. But when we take the gas mask off, we're choking, watering. I got really sick. So when we put our confidence in ourselves, not so good. But when our confidence was in that gas mask, amazing. But you know what? It made us respect more that gas mask more than ever. So we had a head knowledge from learning about it. But when we tested it, man, that made us believe like nobody's business because we realized when we had that gas mask on, it was great. What does God say? God says, you need to learn about me. You know, study and show yourself approved. And then he says, what? Test me. Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring your money. Invest your money. So there will be food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the window of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. God is saying, learn about the gas mask and test it out. Learn about me and then put me to the test. Invest your time. Invest your money. Invest your efforts. Put me. Try me now, says the Lord of hosts. 
If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. John 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son, uh, the son can bring glory to the father. Yes. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Test me out. Put me to the test and see if I will not supply everything you need. Everything you need. There won't be room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Listen, I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.